Welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hi, Diane. Hello, Jen. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm I'm especially good today because we have our special guest with us. Yay! Who, we, who we've referenced many times on the podcast many times. before, but finally she's here. <laughs> she's with us. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Pretty good. Great. How are you? I'm disproportionately happy to be here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Most exciting thing I've done today. Yeah. And that's saying a lot coming from a a pandemic Wednesday. Yes. Right? Yes. (laughs) Especially one that was pretty, pretty gray. It was not a, it's not a terribly beautiful day here. So. Really? Yeah. Was it nice by you? It was 85 degrees and sunny all day in New Jersey. Oh my goodness. No, Massachusetts was gray and like 65. Oh no. <laughs> it had a pocket of sun this afternoon mm-hmm. and then rained. Yeah. It was like summer all day. My my daughter and I were in shorts all day playing outside. Oh, that's lovely. Wonderful. Well, good for you. Sorry. I don't want to make everybody <laughs> jealous. <laughs> Listen, it's rare that New Jersey is at the top of the list of awesome places to hey, be. Hey, hey, so. hey, hey. Don't hate on my Jersey. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Why don't we do some mom moments? We have three of us tonight, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be some beefy mom moment segment tonight. Yeah, should we let our guest go first? Yes, or... let's okay. let's let's give Rachel the floor. So I guess my mom moment part of my day is I took my daughter to Children's Hospital today for a follow up appointment with a very fancy ENT because my old mom moment is my daughter poked her eardrum out with a Q-tip. Oh <laughs> um, and that was almost oh four no. years ago and she still has a Q-tip sized hole in her ear. So we went to meet this fancy, I think he's called a neurotologist. He is like a fancy ENT. And uh, last time we hyperventilated and cried Oh, just one of us. You can guess which one. (laughs) Um, And this time was so much better. And we just rocked the appointment and did really well and got bittersweet news that we handled just fine. And so that was really nice. And then we did floor hockey instead of dance. So that is also like a parenting win. Yeah. So that's my mom moment was doing a doing a decent hospital trip where no one cried. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's yeah. a win. And maybe next time I talk to you guys, we won't have a Q-tip size hole in the ear anymore, but I can't make any oh, promises. Let's hope. So if you're listening and you've po- your child has poked their eardrum out, know that you're not the only one that that has happened to. It's still oh, a thing. God. That sounds painful. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It, I don't think it bothers her at all right now. Um, really? She can't, okay. She can't do things like blow her nose, and she's very cautious around water. Like getting water in her ear, um, I think is a very loud experience. But she's a moderate hearing loss now, which is the the problem. Right. Yeah. So we will maybe fix that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, Children's Hospital in Boston, you're in you're in very good hands, which is yes. good. Yeah. 
like I have no concerns about that. And I feel now, now that we're three and a half, four years in, I feel very confident with the path that we're on is not changing. The whole <laughs> yes. is not magically healing itself. It is <laughs> right. exactly the same as it was three months ago. So that is uh, reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? Experiencing a mom moment right now. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. There's a good visual that the podcast listeners are missing. Yeah. So Joey, Joey has crept down from his bed. He's supposed to be asleep and he's crept down and he's just like plunked his little face next to me and is like, I want to be part of this podcast. Um, But no, please go upstairs. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) all right, please go, please go. Real mom moment is that Liam is finally talking pretty readily now and he he went through a whole bunch of different things tonight that were really adorable. And he, he does a lot of like mommy daddy rebook. It's like his sentence that he says over and over again, but he also, we have two cats now and whenever he sees them, he like yells for them, but he's a small child and can't do the K sound yet. So all day long throughout my house, titty, titty, titty. She's just great. I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> totally developmentally appropriate. <laughs> but it's I love very it. It's very cute. So he he shouts titty all day long. It's very funny. Yeah, the like, kid mispronunciations are really it's just great. He's just he's got a lot of good ones. He he said peanut butter for the first time tonight and was like, Ina Tutter, I think. It was very we were like, oh Aww. all right, Diane, you're up. All right. On Monday, my daughter turned two. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. And we had a little party for her on Sunday because my family is all vaccinated. So it was my dad and my stepmom, my brother and his boyfriend and your mom, Jen, yeah. came from Delaware, which mm-hmm. was exciting. So, um, you know, we were all together, which was nice. And Rini got, I got her a, like a platter of cookies. My friend's mom makes these like, she makes these like I guess they're like sugar cookies, but they're mm-hmm. iced. And so she'll do mm-hmm. them in like any theme you want. So I had her do a cat theme. Mm-hmm. And so it was all these little like cookies shaped like cat heads and like it had paw prints on them. And Rini was like, it's kitties. It's kitties. She was so excited. So And there were no titties. Or... Yeah. There were no, no. titty ca- okay. cookies. No. <laughs> okay, no. Good. Unfortunately. I bet she's made she's made some before though. You know, I bet you. She listens to this podcast so we can ask her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so Kathy, first of all, thank you for the cookies. They were amazing. But also, have you made any titty cookies ever? We want to know. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so, <sighs> it was yes. a good day and she got tons of toys. I have no idea where to put them cuz my, you know, that's what happens when you're the only grandchild on my side of the family at least yes. you get a million toys. Yep. Yeah, she had a great day. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> it was really really sweet. Yeah. My daughter had a birthday a couple weeks ago and I was like super emotional about like this birthday compared to last year and I bet you had that experience as well. Yeah, it was like the first birthday was was fun but it was quarantine. So like early pandemic kind of scary. Yeah, it was scary. We saw no one. We did it on Zoom. With the one-year-old. Like, yeah, so it was like, how long can you be on Zoom? You know, she smashed her cake and it was like, bye-bye. So to actually have my my whole family there and my dad there was really special. I mean, I said that to you last time about Easter. 
you know, like we had my dad over for Easter. And, and at that point, I hadn't seen my dad very much since November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see your dad like weekly when it's non-pandemic I, time. Yes. So, yeah. My dad used to watch her two or three times a week for mm-hmm. me. So uh, and I, I would just see him all the time. So I don't want to get like choked up, but it's like it's really it's nice. It's really nice to see like that little bit of normal coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to celebrate a year with your daughter and celebrate, you know, all that has happened in this past year and like a normal one to two year old life and also sort of seeing the end of the pandemic and being connected with those people that are really important in your life. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was very, very sweet. All the things. It's just a great party and nice. All right. So, Rachel, you're here tonight because you are going to be our guest host and tell us all about a topic that we have been patiently waiting to do. Yes. We've been saving it up for you. <laughs> because when I first was telling you about this idea for this podcast, I had never heard of this before and you were like I was like like the baby cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I have been saving it up for you, girl. So hit it. So I learned some things myself about the baby cage um in my research for this episode. And I'm I'm gonna do my best to connect it to a little bit of modern times as well. Baby cage is not for confining children. It was really tied to airing children out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so for those of you who are not familiar with the baby cage, I'm going to talk you through the history a little bit of it. But I want you to really get a visual on what the baby cage is. I know I've talked to Jen before about this, but Diane, have you heard of the baby cage? I had heard of the baby cage, but I don't know a ton about it. I've just kind of seen the images, you know. The image is pretty like unforgettable and yeah. maybe that that could be the um in your show notes. So mm-hmm. the image that you've probably seen is like a a baby cage. I describe it like the, you know, you put an air conditioner in the window, you put the baby cage in the window. So it's got the walls, the floor, the ceiling. It's often made of mesh or chicken wire and you put it in your window and then you put the baby in it so the images you see may be very high up images of baby in mesh above the city yes uh so it's pretty unforgettable i really love it they're they're all black and white (laughs) images um so it's just that that's what it is guys (laughs) (laughs) so you know, hard hard to say exactly when the baby cage came into fashion, but it clearly like took off in the cities as a way to give babies uh, some fresh air. And I think really, as I said, it goes back to like airing of the baby, which it when you look at this book, Jen and I were talking about this, The Care and Feeding of Children by Dr. Emmett, actually that's not, by Dr. Luther Emmett Holt. Mm-hmm came out in 1894 he is like the father of pediatrics he ran he was a director at the new york babies hospital in late 1880s he's a really prominent doctor and uh he wrote this book called the care and feeding of children which i got like way too into last night i read the whole book because (laughs) it's real interesting and like any historic stuff about feeding and caring for babies it it's going to be a very useful book and research and has probably come up in past episodes. Um, but he doesn't ta- he doesn't recommend the baby cage, but he recommends a lot of things that, that the baby cage does, which is airing your baby out, 
some key things from his book are your baby should be aired out at one month or one week if it's summer. If your baby is four months old or younger, they shouldn't be aired out if it is below freezing. Well, I would hope. (laughs) If they're eight months old, though, they can go out when it's 20 degrees. And like that was the only delineator. So like if you're nine or 10 months old, I maybe you just go out all the time. I'm not sure. The book is like very brief, so it does not give you a lot of details. When the baby is being aired out, wind should never blow in the face. The feet should be covered and sun should never be in the baby's eyes. And so a lot of these things he's describing are for like carriages and prams too, mm-hmm. right? It's not just the baby cage wasn't really a thing yet. So it's just about getting fresh air to the baby. He said, it's a quote, fresh air is required to renew and purify the blood. And this is just as necessary for health and growth as proper food. Nice. <laughs> the effects you might see include improved appetite, better digestion, and red cheeks. Red cheeks. Well, probably because they're freezing. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what the red cheeks are for. <laughs> what What is the advantage to airing the baby in the arms of a nurse? Quote, none whatever. <laughs> he does really want to. <laughs> wow. Oh, what, what do you do if your baby takes cold easily? Well, don't let them wear heavy clothing and sleep them in a cool room and sponge bath every morning with water that is 50 to 60 degrees in temperature. <gasps> Not really related to airing your baby out, but I thought that was interesting. <laughs> that is like the short, short history on like where airing your baby out came from. And a lot of those indicators pointed people, I think, to the baby cage. Um, that brings us to like the 1900s when TB was kind of going wild too. Um, and they started to build open air schools. So I just want to sidebar for a minute to say I had a hard time last night when I was like rereading my research and like peeling this apart from our current pandemic and COVID and stuff. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities. So TB went wild. We built open air schools. Okay. (laughs) Then (laughs) baby cage is not yet patented. I will get to like the baby cage being patented. Now we are in 1906 when Eleanor Roosevelt as a young 21 year old mother used a chicken wire contraption in the window to rest her baby in a a cold and shady northern facing window and her baby's crying alerted the neighbors they called the cops and she or they threatened to report her they did not call the cops they threatened to report her and she was just shocked at this because she thought she was just being a modern mother whoa (laughs) so that was 1906 um that was described as like a chicken wire window crib sort of thing Jeez, it's like it's like the sort of thing that you like that they make for cats now that you can like yes <laughs> i also just kind of like thinking of eleanor roosevelt I, again this is my like modern comparison to different times 21 year old mother i know yeah i just thought she was older than that when she had kids yeah yeah you weren't back in 1906 you had been 21 was old yeah (laughs) Yeah, I was like how have you not had children yet you spinster (laughs) I think I I audibly gasped a little when you when you said 21 it's like oh god yeah so uh, a few years later 1922 Maybe 1919, Ernest J. Henry maybe got a patent for some sort of baby cage. I liked 1922 Emma Reed because she was a lady. She probably did it better, and I got to see a better picture of her portable baby cage. 
Ooh, what oh. it was called. It was super nice, guys. It had a roof with like shingles on it that Cute. helps to insulate. Insulate might not be the right word. Keep it from getting too hot from the sun. So insulate like against the sun. Yeah. Um, I guess it could be snowing. Yeah. But like the sides were still like just cage. So when go back to that image, the image of the baby in the baby cage sometimes is like baby on the cage. Often is baby on a blanket on the cage. Right. Sometimes it's baby in a bassinet or like a Moses basket in the cage. Mm-hmm. So I think we described sort of like how it's suspended from the window. You like close the window on it. I think I didn't get real into the patent, but I do think it's like actually attached to your window building with some sort of screws. I was going to say, there's no way they're just like popping that thing in and closing the window and hoping for the best. That just even for those times seems like. I, I will send this to you after the podcast. I watched a commercial on the baby cage. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, commercial's the wrong word for it, but it was it was like an advertising thing and a toddler jumped in it with the baby and I was oh, like, oh! no. <laughs> Everyone seemed calm except me. <laughs> so, I I will actually send that to you because it's it it was it was real good. <laughs> And the window closed, so, like, you could open up the window and then put your baby in it. So a little different than our air conditioner, too. Yeah. Okay. So that was, like, 1922 that it got patented. And everything sort of says it took off much more in Europe. After all the bombing and World War II in London, baby cages went back in. Oh, jeez. And that was, like, 1950s. There was, like, a documentary about them. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And then in London, they started building them into, like, when they did rebuilds, they built baby balconies, which I could not find. I found it referenced in text, but I couldn't find a good image of it because, like, I couldn't do that Google search well enough Yeah, mm-hmm. to get, like, baby balcony London. There's some, like, real story about some guy throwing a baby off a balcony in London. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's not no. what I want. <laughs> Google, come on. Yeah. So, but apparently they shifted a little bit in London to be more of an architectural part of the buildings. Wow. Which perhaps are balconies we walk on now that were just used for babies. I don't know. I do find it interesting that they took off in Europe because I feel like that kind of fits that European style of parenting where like it's a little more like hands off. Like Mm -hmm. when we visited Iceland, the thing I will never forget is that parents would park their babies in the stroller outside mm-hmm. the restaurant and then go inside and have lunch yeah and just leave the baby on the street and like yeah. it was not considered like neglect or anything and i and they were just like no the fresh air is good for them Mm-hmm. And I was Diane, like, you're jumping ahead. That's how we're going to end. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I completely agree with you. <laughs> I was like, baby cages have just turned into fancy prams. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And they're mostly in the Nordic countries. Yeah. <laughs> but like, they don't do that in London. They're not. No. London's not leaving their baby in their like beautiful British pram out on the sidewalk. So like London lost it. And I think to like your comparison of Iceland, we're not quite sure why the the baby cages fell out of fashion. Maybe people were worried about their baby falling out of the baby cage. I don't know. That's what I'd be worried about. Um, But it also does sort of align with the automobile taking off. So when you picture London and like the baby cage on the street, I can see how that maybe it just fell out of fashion over time. Whereas in the Nordic countries, 
your like crazy London traffic isn't a thing. And just the quality of the environment as a whole is is quite different. And so I wonder if that too is in part why they still keep babies and children outside more. Mm -hmm. Good point. But in the commercial, they show the like baby watching dad walk away like to go to work. And I was just like, yeah, I, I can't imagine putting my baby outside of my house, hanging off of my, I don't think that I would put my baby on a balcony unattended. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> Maybe I don't I would. think so. <laughs> so I, I really do understand. And again, like the city and thinking about London and New York city, I understand people seeking out some, fresh air for their their babies and back to like the pandemic now like think about people who live in apartment buildings and who lived in the city and just to get from your building or from your apartment to a place that would be the same for mothers in 1920 Mm -hmm. who were in a big building and like if it was easier and you you did have better eyes on the the child it was better than sending your baby with your like seven-year-old around the corner to the park yeah Mm -hmm. i see why it made sense for a lot of people but it it's not compatible with uh, like what we do now <laughs> with modern society. <laughs> no, no. In fact, I think if, if you walked past a house with like a baby just like hanging out of a window on some contraption, you would probably maybe call the police or be very concerned. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I jumped ahead to talk about how they did like come back after the bombings and the world wars. But to just like scoot back a little, this is a funny like related sidebar 1944 bf skinner mm-hmm. got a patent for the air crib okay so the air crib is different but i i wanted to talk about it because it's very funny um so the air crib is solid walls floor ceiling glass front it had a temperature and humidity control yeah, um, you reduced the bundling of the baby, so the baby had free movement. So it was good for their physical development. the The thought about why it didn't take off was because maybe it was too similar to the other boxes that B.F. Skinner used to train animals in. Yeah, I was like, B.F. Skinner sounds really, really familiar. Yes. <laughs> so B.F. Skinner was all the like behavioral <laughs> psychology yeah. ring yes. a bell. Yeah. Oh, right. Have we talked about him before on the podcast? We have, probably I think. Have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the air crib. The air crib looks a lot like a baby in a museum. Yes. It, so so there are <laughs> modern versions of it now. I forget what it's called now, but but for, for children who have really bad epilepsy or need to be, you know, like contained during the night so that they don't get out and hurt themselves, they essentially sleep in what would be like the modern version of an air crib but yeah it looks like a baby museum <laughs> yeah and it seems to be like in skinner's model it seemed to be built in mm-hmm. right like it was like more like inset into the walls yep but to to your point jen i hear you on the like medically fragile children but the nest patented in just 2016 the nest got a patent for the smart crib Mm-hmm. which tells you the baby's temperature, room temperature, whether the baby's asleep or awake, and then uses AI to tell you why the baby's crying. Oh, geez. I didn't do any research to see if the Nest Smart Crib was on the market yet, because I think I would know, right? 
I don't know. Our kids are older than that now, right? 2016. You, oh, you ladies yes. have had babies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah, here yeah. yet, guys. No, I, there's no way. No, there's like the owlette thing, but but not the no. 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 It's interesting that there's you know this like at least century long obsession with knowing that your baby is in the right like environment you know where it's like mm-hmm. i want to make sure the temperature's right and that they're getting the proper type of air and you know i mean having just had three babies i feel like i was very much wrapped up in that of like i had a humidifier and i had a heater and i had a this and a that so that i could make it just just right in the room and once liam came along i was like he'll be fine Well, Dr. Luther Emmett Holt said that you should take the temperature in your baby's nursery from a thermometer. This is from memory, not my notes. It was like eight inches off the ground or something. It was, it was like very in, in his book that was very concise. He had a measurement for how far off the ground your temperature should be. Wow. And it should be 60, 68 degrees, but not higher than 70. And I was like, that is, that is two degrees, sir. That feels like... (laughs) How how is the baby going? The baby's going to sit up and be like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I've definitely seen that sixty-eight to seventy degrees recommendation though, to. like all over the place. And they say if it's if it's above seventy degrees, then have them sleep in in this kind of clothing. And mm-hmm. if it's below sixty-eight, make sure you're wearing two layers. I'm gonna just like, geez, I had like the chart of like what they should be wearing to bed depending on what temperature it was in the room drove myself crazy with that stuff joe was like he'll be fine what's interesting is that that is consistent with like this book that was written in 1894 yeah that's kind of interesting actually yeah 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 yep there were a lot of pinterest pictures on on oh of all the layers yes i've seen those so many times was i the only person who just was like I can't be bothered. She seems fine. <laughs> like, like, and I, that, that sounds so horrible. No, but like, obviously no. I could see what the, I could see what the temperature was like in our house, yeah. but yeah, I just, I don't know. I always put her to bed in the same thing in the winter and I always put her to bed in the same thing in the summer. And I just didn't really worry about it. Cause I was like, if she's hot, she'll let me know. She'll cry. I also, I think that it, it could just be our family because I think that we keep our home heated and cooled differently than the average person and I could be wrong but like having a tenant now she keeps the house at a specific temperature all the time uh we don't we've never done that we always let it be whatever temperature it's going to be and if it drops below a certain amount we'll kick the heat on or if it goes above a certain amount we'll put the fans on you know like we don't keep the house at a constant temperature so when we had when we had the kids and they were babies it would sometimes be like 58 degrees in the house and so i'd be like we need to make sure that the room is safe joe was like it's fine just put on another layer okay yeah so. yeah we used to keep our bedroom at, at 61 at night like mm-hmm. 60 61 before the baby was born and then yeah. as jen knows we did my we had just one giant room upstairs so we shared a room with my daughter till she was over one so that was super fun i feel like that was a mom moment when you when you got yeah, a wall. You, yeah, it was when the wall when went you made up. Made a room. Yeah, <laughs> my life was complete. No, but um, we we just kept we just kept the room warmer at night for a while, like when she was really little, because I was like, we'll just keep it at like sixty six. That seems yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Or like sweaty. Yeah. I would be consistent with this Dr. Holt fella who says um, the nursery, again, I read the whole book last night, so it's it's really fascinating. The nursery <laughs> uh, should be kept at 68 degrees during the day, never higher than 70. I'm sorry. The thermometer is three feet from the floor, and that seems to be like where the baby is. So that makes more sense that makes than sense. my memory. <laughs> but at night, during the first two to three months, not below 65. So you are correct, Diane. But after three months, it can go as low as 55. That's where we were. Um, and after the first year, 50, down to 45 even. We didn't, we didn't go that far. But, that um, seems crazy. That's Nordic. <laughs> yeah. So the, our, our kid's room has like a heat thermostat sun from the windows issue. Like it's just hard to regulate with the heating system of our house. So it is a colder room often. But I would like to move it along because we are talking about some interesting temperature things of which the Nordic, the Nordic parents of modern day have some thoughts on. And so we're talking temperatures and like, when's a good time to put your baby to sleep? This article that I read about Nordic parents napping their children outside in prams in the winter is from 2013. It's mm-hmm. Yep. I also just read The Year of Living Danishly, and this comes up, and Jen, you're reading a book now. Um, yeah. What's it called? Parenting the Danish Way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So this, it's great. this may oh. have come up. Yes, it does. Several I times. Guess what's interesting to me is I had known this, like you said, Diane, in some countries we leave babies in prams outside when we go to a restaurant and they are just napping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. But what I didn't understand until I read this article a couple of days ago was mothers will go from the home. They will exit their home to put a baby in the pram outside. I didn't understand that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they really believe that it. They really believe it. Good for them. Mm. Yeah. 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 So they said it's good for them, especially in the winter when there's a lot of diseases going around. Mm-hmm. It happens again. Like I knew about the restaurant thing, but it happens at daycare. If you walk past a daycare, the the prams will all be lined up, and the babies will just be sleeping in them. So here's the temperature point that I wanted to connect. They said when it is negative 15 degrees Celsius, which is five degrees Fahrenheit, we cover the pram with a blanket. <laughs> I know that. It was really good. <laughs> That's like in it's clearly, I mean, the babies are fine, I guess, yeah. but it's like it seems insane. They're hardy stock. <laughs> here's here's what I'd like I'd like your opinion on. The theory is, like you already said, less colds and coughs. Um, the evidence they collected was from parent surveys. So you guys mm-hmm. can't see my air quotes because I know as a parent of young children that my parent surveys aren't always accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and so parents said that their babies sleep better. They also reported that negative five degrees Celsius was the perfect sleeping temperature, um, which I am trying to convert. It's like 28. That's below freezing. Yeah. So, yeah. so that is the perfect temperature. What I'm curious about is their next statement, which I, 23, you're right, Jen, 23 degrees is the perfect outdoor sleep. I mean, indoors even. Heck, just knock it down, Diane. Just, you're yeah, you're going fine. too high at 66. Yeah. You can knock 40 degrees <laughs> off. <laughs> See that? Uh, I was over, it was overkill for me. <laughs> overkill. It's too much. So what what they think, though, is that by sleeping really cold, to your point before, Jen, of that Pinterest beautiful picture you had about mm-hmm. all the layers for this temperature, this and all the things and the booties and the mm-hmm. things, um, that the restricted movement due to all the clothing and blanket helps them sleep better. 
Yeah. And I was like, it's oh, like that's the Mer- it. The Merlin. Yeah. Magic Merlin sleep thing. Yeah. They yeah. Just- mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. And uh, we we knew we were cold sleepers because I'm a cold sleeper and the kids room is just a little colder. But more babies die of overheating in their sleep than like freezing to death is is, is it's hard to it's do. Rare. This. Yeah. But overheating yes. is, is more common. And so that in particular, I was like, huh. I did a lot of sleep research when my babies were little because when your babies don't sleep, you read a lot about sleep and that restricting movement with all those layers and all that tucking that must be happening with the blankets and the things and the, yeah, I bet that really helps. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, and they, they recommend like in general, people should be sleeping in rooms that are like 55 degrees. Like that's, that's like a doctor recommendation for yep. adult people. And I mean, it's always, you know, like sleep in cold rooms. Oh, okay. So yeah, there, I mean, there must be something to it. And I think that, I think it's true about when there are diseases going around, your baby's not going to get sick if they're outside. If they're inside with all the people who probably have germs and diseases, they're much more likely to get sick. But And that's the like current Nordic thought too, is like, why would we nap a bunch of babies in the room together when they can yeah. just go outside and have some fresh air, blow all those booger germs away mm-hmm, exactly so but conflicting evidence about the health effects of sleeping outside right now and with the the, the nordic um mm. tradition it didn't it, okay. it was inconclusive if it actually keeps you healthier yeah but again thinking about like the pandemic and like how our lives are right now yeah outside yeah. there are less germs yeah. yes that's true Outside, people can come look at your baby and see your baby, and your baby can be sleeping out there, and it's better than being inside with people coming over to visit your baby and see your baby. So yeah. I think, like, it, it felt, the topic as a whole felt very relevant to right now, even though the baby cage is obviously <laughs> not relevant and <laughs> kind of silly when you think about it being a real thing. But there was some really interesting, thoughtful parts about getting fresh air for your baby and being outside a lot, which, Jen, as you know, I'm outside all the time. So oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm committed to this being outside thing. Yeah. My so gosh. <laughs> it, it was an interesting research. So yeah, don't get yourself a baby. I mean, you could put your pack and play in your window now probably, but you'd need to like <laughs> build something under it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to put the kids out on our porch that we had like a three season yeah. porch mm-hmm. and I used to put them out there in the pack and play to sleep you know, in the spring, summer, and fall. And it always seemed like, oh, they're getting fresh air. Like, that's a thing that has been ingrained in me. And yeah, <laughs> just like, oh, it's getting, I love taking a nap outside. <laughs> so, hmm. I think yeah. it's been ingrained in all of us. I mean, I don't, not with like the below freezing temperatures, yeah. but fresh air is good for you. How many times have you heard people say that? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's I know, what we it's do. true. We've talked about, like parking babies outside in strollers a, a few times before. And I every time we um, we bring it up, I always want to say that Joe's grandmother, who lives in Connecticut, anytime we talk about her, her experience as a young mother, she was a mother in the maybe the early 60s. And she lived, she lives in the same town that she lived in then. Um, it's a small little town in Connecticut. She was like, yep, every day, all of the moms would take their strollers with their babies and we walk down on main street and we'd park at the like department store and we'd park the things right in front. We'd all go in and the babies would be lined up all outside the store. And I can't find any evidence of this being like a common practice in America, but in this small little town in Connecticut, all the moms 
I'm I'm a hundred percent sure it was common practice in America. Yeah, I can't yes. find it. Like it, anytime you look up like parking babies outside, it's all Nordic articles. Everything is just but about because them it's doing not it there. it's not worth documenting. Yeah, I guess. Especially in like a Google, yeah. it's like me looking for the the baby balcony. Yeah, that became a thing yeah. in London. Like I can't right. do that Google search to find that information. Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe. Like if you interviewed people. Yeah. The inter- interviews would find that that was a very yeah. common practice. Yeah. Yeah. If if anybody who is listening to this episode knows, has any firsthand experience with baby cages or, or parking babies outside in warm or cold weather, <laughs> let us know about it. <laughs> but it also, it did remind me, Diane, of your episode on inclined sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think, especially thinking about modern times and, and sleeping your baby outside, the articles all talk about prams. And I always thought of that as just like a labeled difference, like a pram is a stroller in Europe. <laughs> that's that's just like what I thought. Um, right. But I don't think that's really true. Um, I no. think that was my not educated before I had kids understanding of like fancy British words, but that we're talking about the Nordic children now sleeping outside in prams. We're talking about babies sleeping in bassinets on wheels, <laughs> fancy wheels. Yes, <laughs> Like we're talking about flat sleep surfaces and um, babies essentially sleeping in a bassinet mm-hmm. outside. That's very, I didn't even think of that. And like your, that Jen's, Jen's story just made me think about that with her, her gram because I don't know what that would have looked like. Um, yeah, we went through like a very funny baby stroller carriage um, situation. But in in Europe now, babies who are sleeping outside are sleeping on flat surfaces. Yes, yeah, yes, they are, and that's yeah. becoming much more popular in the states. I have a few friends who had babies in the past year, and they all got those. I forget the name. Is it the Uppa baby? It's the one where like yeah. it can be a bassinet or you can put the car seat in, but you can do like a bunch of things with it mm-hmm. so that it's safer for the baby to sleep in. Like my friend who had a baby, yeah, about a year after my daughter was born, she just had the like the bassinet on wheels in the house. And yeah, she, my mm-hmm. she would just like she could just like move it to the living room, move it here, move it there. And it was so convenient. And I was like, nobody would like just a year ago when I was having my daughter, like nobody even like suggested that when I was like, yeah. what should I put on my registry? You know, like I didn't even really know it was a thing that people really did in the States. So it's kind of cool that that's coming back and it's much safer for the babies to sleep that way. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think like, I am very much a one thing that does lots of things person. Mm -hmm. And I think a fancy stroller like that, that does multiple things that you can have it in your house. Like I know a lot of people who have a, like up a baby with a removable bassinet, use Mm -hmm. the bassinet in their house. Like that's very normal. I know fewer people who put the whole stroller in their house, but my neighbor that had twins, she has a stroller in her house all the time. I didn't understand when I had my kids, like why I would want a bassinet on wheels because it just felt unsafe to like push my baby around for a walk. And it still does like a little, like I don't, it's, it seems weird to push like a six week old baby in a bassinet. So they like, you hit a bump and they like roll over, <laughs> but that's not maybe the primary purpose of that device. Maybe mm-hmm. the primary purpose is for me to have the baby napping out in my yard with me. Yeah. And I would have probably used it a lot for that, you know? So I, I think that sort of big stroller that has a lot of things and can change over time with the baby, it can be a really useful device, baby device that serves a lot of different purposes. Mm-hmm. 
This was great. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. I'm glad we've finally given the baby cage the the attention it deserves. It's due. Yes. <laughs> it's time in the sun. <laughs> if you have a story about any of the things we talked about today, you can send us an email at opdwpodcast at gmail.com. We are always always so so grateful when people give us reviews on apple podcasts or anywhere that you listen to podcasts because they're very helpful and help other people find the show and you can find us on facebook we have a page we're on instagram and twitter at opdw podcast we are on tiktok at opdw <laughs> thanks to jen a hundred percent very funny and call in with your mom moment. Call in with your mom moment. Send them a mom moment. Yes, it. please. It's so fun. It's so fun. And we, we really like when we get to interact with people who listen to the show. And Rachel has been such a good advocate to us. And, and yes, you know, we love having you here. If you have another topic sometime, you're welcome back whenever. <laughs> I'd love to come back. This was great, ladies. Thank you so much for having me in. And chatting about weird baby things. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Our music is by Theo Rosenberg. So thank you, Theo. Thanks, Theo. Okay, Rachel, until next time. When you need to air out your baby, just keep it on the ground. (laughs) 